Hey, again. Hey. Hello. How are you? Ikrimbo. It's Christmas. Unless this episode comes out after Christmas, in which case it it's, was Christmas. It's it, dude, We're doing it. It's going to be Christmas. Okay, I believe you. You, can, you nor God can stop me. Ah, it's coming out. It's Christmas. I can't stop you. I don't know what God wants to do. 2020 has been a weird year, <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, 2020 is a giant piece of shit. But I just wanted to take this little thing before we start the episode proper. Not Nothing too crazy for this little segment. Just wanted to say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of you uh, who are supporting our show during this time. I know 2020 has been a shit-fuck-ass terrible year. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. I love you very much. And I'm sure Genhardt does in some capacity whatever he's allowed to love. You know? <laughs> What the fuck does that mean? Uh, <laughs> I I love all of you too. Thank you for listening to the show, whoever you are, the five people out there. Um, I appreciate all great. anyone who has stayed listening throughout uh, the process where the episodes were in a a, a flux as a the pandemic, b just be moving, and c just be uh, dying via employment. Uh, thank you for sticking with it. I, I hope yes. it will be a little more semi-regular throughout 2021. I hope 2021 as a whole is more semi-regular of a year than yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? was. I, I think I'd appreciate that quite a fucking bit, you know? Yeah. So this is the last one of the year. Another year of uh, mostly okay movies, some terrible things. Uh, I don't remember what we were watching in January of of last year. I don't remember like what spans throughout the course of this Gen and Jub year, but I will just say. The best movie we saw was clearly Catwoman, and and that's oh. all I know. It was whatever it was before Batman, I think. Uh, is what we started. I mean, you know, I have the episode guide, but I'm not going to look at it. Yeah, fucking <laughs> cares. Yeah, so I, I hope you all keep supporting us in 2021. It's going to be a good year. Uh, we're starting starting Ghibli. Uh, Ghibli slash Miyazaki uh, this week, and uh, that's going to be eleven gonna be really weeks. Cool. We're going to go into March before we get a new subject. Mm-hmm. So, end off the year with with the bang, multiple bangs. There's a lot of bangs in this movie, and I hope you all enjoy it. I love you. We'll see you on the the 2021 flippity flip. Play that theme song. Happy Halloween, everybody! <laughs> bones. Welcome aboard, mateys. Round me bones, round me bones. Take what he will, but don't round me bones. Spin the wheel for the treasure to take. Careful, my friend, or he'll rattle and shake. Round me bones, turn the lights low, there's a frightening blue, but don't round me bones. Round me, round me, round me bones. You can use your skill to take what you will. You can take your pill, but don't round me bones. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Gen and Merry Christmas Jump Show. That's Ken. Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm drunk. Welcome to the show. It wouldn't be the first time. Welcome to the show. 
It's probably like the tenth. I... So sometimes, sometimes in the show, I need the alcohol, depending on what movie we're talking about. This time, it's just you know happened to be Christmas, so I was drinking with my family. I will promise you, I will never be drunk for the Gen and Jub show because I have to read, and I want to be able to. You talk to me like I can't read. Like, look, I'm looking at a Discord screen now. It says you missed a call this from Genhart. This is more of a me thing than a you thing. Why you don't got to make it a you thing, okay? I don't want right. my eyes to cross because <laughs> I feel like they might. I'm just guessing. I I will make you this promise that I will never be drunk during a podcast. However, I will not make you the promise that I will not be holding a Mountain Dew bottle. I we cannot that's like, make that. That's promise. a given. <laughs> that's a given in my eyes. I don't know. Now I'm, I, have a, I have a I have a weird Mountain, Dew, right Mountain Dew bottle at the moment. Uh, because I is filled it, it, it the... I filled it with another pop, which is a weird thing oh. that I did today. But, Treacherous. Oh well. You're a traitor, but like, what did you what did you betray Mountain Dew with? <laughs> well, I drank the Mountain Dew. Well, that, yeah, that was earlier in the day. Then you, but then you decided to desecrate the grave of the bottle with what? I, I feel like that's taking it to an extreme that I'm not comfortable Jesus with. But I put Cherry RC in the Mountain Dew bottle. <laughs> That's significantly worse. I highly disagree. Now, now, if you were speaking about RC Cola, I would agree that that is a shit tier soda. Che- cherry, cherry RC is just RC Cola, but tar- it, it's RC Cola, but tolerable. That's the only difference. It's, it, just, like, it's a little better because that's cherry. I kind of disagree. I think it's my favorite cherry cola. Hot take coming out the gate. This is this is the beginning of 2021, Genhart, who will have hot takes like Cherry RC Good. Such controversial <laughs> takes to set flame to everyone listening. Anyway, let's stop talking about RC Cola. Yeah, I want to start off by talking a little bit about Mm-hmm. The game that I finished, that is all over and super, super hippity hot hot around the news, is this, this cyberpunk game. Oh, what's that? I, I haven't heard of that. I haven't. Is there is there a controversy I'm, about that? I haven't heard anything. Yeah, it's a it's it's just controversy about how great it is. The game called Shadowrun Returns. <laughs> great cyberpunk game. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, everybody's it up is. in arms about now, Shadowrun. Oh, mm. all right. No, I mean, now, obviously, I will say, obviously, I know the dealio. Shadow yeah. Returns is the better, better cyberpunk game. I will put that out there. Ooh, if you're looking for a that. good cyberpunk game to play, play Shadowrun Returns. It's an excellent, like, mm. like uh, tabletop RPG style game that has all kinds <laughs> of choice and is uh, way better. But. Katana Zero That's also not to a pretty say, good cyberpunk game. Oh, yeah. Katana Zero is fucking incredible. Yeah, it's like, funny that my like, brother play the it. game called Cyberpunk might not even be in the top five cyberpunk games. I don't think I that don't think means so. it's a bad game. I think No, it's a great game. You know, Cyberpunk's in a weird flux right now that, you know, it, it's not as simple as something like when Fallout 76 comes out because you could point and laugh at Fallout 76, man, can I even speak? 76. No. And and just be uh, confident. 
that you are mocking an inferior product and everything's chill. But this, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of unfortunate because underneath all the bugs and all the public gaffes made by CD Projekt Red, uh, there's a good game in there. In fact, I'd even say a great game in there. And that's that's what's kind of uh, that's what's got me with this one is that the game is so turbo fucked <laughs> as far as like bugs and visual glitches and like sometimes like ga- like game state breaking level shit regularly, especially towards the late game, it gets even worse as it goes. Yes. And even on PC, I played through the game on PC using NVIDIA GeForce Now with really good internet. I was getting amazing frames. The game looked gorgeous. But it's got a lot of issues. Um, and I think, I think it's plainly obvious that CD Projekt Red needed to take another delay. But probably at the point where higher-ups and investors did not want to take another delay. And that's where he gets stuck, and that's capitalism, baby. Fuck the artists. Now, right. You have the stuff that is good about CD Projekt Red in this game. You have, like, good world building. You have excellent side quests and really enjoyable characters in it. And titties. Those are your three... Right. The, but those three are your, like, main cruxes to, like, you know, what makes a game like this good. So Cyberpunk passes that check with flying colors. The problem is it's a video game. So you have to play it. And that's where the problems start. A good narrative alone is not a good video game. Like, I mean, you could get that pass in a movie, but you don't have to play the movie. So Dude, I can hang yeah. out with I can hang out with Johnny Silverhand for 200 fucking hours. I think that is what He's the game great. is, but uh, you know, it's part by of the, it. By the way, I I um not quite a spoiler for Cyberpunk, but a spoiler for Arkham Knight. They just straight up stole the that thing from Arkham Knight. Uh, like it, it's it's literally there is a guy in your head mocking you the whole game. Now Johnny Silverhand is obviously a little more on your side than the Joker in Arkham Knight, but both of them want to kind of take over your body and become you. That is in both of the games. And uh, both of them may be a little lethal to your uh, livelihood in both games as well. Uh, I found that kind of weird. Yeah, right? The parallels like that? I think it's a little more than parallels. I think it's... uh, I, I I wouldn't say like <laughs> I mean I don't know because I don't know how much of this was in the, like the the lore before they even made this game because this isn't like an original CD project red license. This is an original IP, yeah. This is based <laughs> off of like the RPG. So maybe the reverse is true, and maybe like this lore was copied by Warner Brothers in DC when they made Batman Arkham Knight. I don't know. I find it just a little strange that both games employ this very specific narrative. Yeah, it's not like it's a tropey one. It's very unique. No, yeah, that's like a very unique mechanic. Um, the way they talk to you throughout the game is very, is very similar, like in missions and stuff. Uh, 
it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, yeah. Now we'll say um, I could go further with, but I I know spoilers about the game, which is funny because yeah, I, I don't know. I'm to not gonna. It. I'm not gonna go further into it, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna go super heavy into spoilers either, just because I don't want to ruin that for people who are gonna want to play the game down the line. Which ha- have be you everybody. beat it, sir? I have finished the game. Okay. Now there are a bunch of different endings you can get, depending on the way you go through the game. I got an ending that I was personally satisfied with. I was cool with it. That's um, good. I don't think there is a. I don't think there's a great ending to this game, and that's what's interesting about it. Well, this is the thing. It's not straightforward I like other games are. I don't mind telling anybody that this game has probably like, you know, four or five or six endings. I don't remember how many, but. It's not like a typical RPG where, like, there's several choices that lead you to one of the endings on the spectrum of what have you with your decisions, good or bad or in between. It's more like there's one choice two-thirds of the way into the game, and as long as you have a save file, you can go back and just get the other endings when you're done with the game. And I think that with how hyped and big this game was described as, is a little disappointing. Now, I, I don't personally have an issue with it, but, but you know, this is how they described the game. It was like a fucking 300-hour game or something, right? Yeah, well, the thing is, all that time comes in through the side quests, which, right. at the end of the day, are the, is the strength of this game. That's okay. where it comes out the best, is in the side quests. Like, a because a lot of the side characters are so great, all the side quests that you get to do for them just massively improve the experience. It's definitely worth it, I'd say. Right, but I wouldn't expect it. I wouldn't go into it expecting, you know, to have vastly different experiences from other people. Your experience will be similar to other people's. Right. Which is fine. You know, I think I think people went into this expecting more than what it was and you know the devs and the higher ups than the devs definitely leaned into that being the narrative for this game in the marketing oh yeah so they didn't help it but uh it is what it is not one fucking bit (sighs) that's that's the biggest crime of all really is that like i mean sure there's there's definitely like a there's definitely a scope problem with this game sure Um, their their eyes their, their eyes were way way bigger than their brains on this one. That happens sometimes. It's gonna take a long time to fix it, but I I don't know. I like it for what it is, but I cannot stand getting like funky visual glitches or like stuff being weird. It's fine. It's fun. Even I enjoy it. I don't well, mind look, being a funky game. I love experiencing a good glitch in a game. That's why the PlayStation share button was invented, in my opinion. It's right. it might as well be called the funny glitch button. You know, <laughs> like it's like you know, I'm only ever hitting it when I see something truly strange happen in a game. But it doesn't ruin the game experience because it happens like once in an entire playthrough, maybe twice. Your problem For is Cyberpunk like, right now, it's the whole game. <laughs> But by the time I got like twenty hours in, literally every single time I did anything, there was some kind of fucking bug happening. Yeah, that's too much. 
And the problem, and I ran into quite a few that like I that broke the game, and I had to lo- reload a previous save. Right, and you're playing on PC. Right, so this is the platform that like it works on. Right, I can't imagine how terrible it is for like people who have a base PS4. So for me, you know, I wasn't planning on playing it at launch. I rarely do with any game. Sixty dollars is expensive. No, thank you. I will wait till it's on sale for twenty dollars, and I'll be like sick. <laughs> However, even if I wanted to, uh, it is unplayable on PS4 right now. So much so that Sony removed it from its store. And yeah, well, the game I, I, so I literally like can't buy it right now on my console. Yeah, the game straight up runs at like fifteen frames, and textures just don't load. It's just really bad. It's a mess. That's, it's it's impossible to play. It's really bad. Um, but even for PC players, I don't think I could recommend this game to anyone yet. Not yet. I will. I one day will recommend that people play this game. It is just not right now. It is not until C Project Red gets their shit together and fixes this game. It, it wasn't released as a game. It was released like in the in the larval state. You know, it's not fully formed. It's not a butterfly yet. It's it's still like you know, a metapod. This reminds you of like, <laughs> you know, it reminds you of like an early access game. Yeah, but it's a full I release. Mean, well, that's, that's the weird thing about this whole thing, right? Is like you're seeing what video games have become in the modern era, where you know there's so much pressure to release a game. And, you know, I know that they had so much pressure to release this before the end of the year so that they could get holiday numbers, right? And it's just like them pushing that made them release it in a fucked up state. And they that's it's not the first game to do that, nor will it be the last, because more often than not, these huge, big... Uh, fucking awful game studios <laughs> will just crunch the fuck out of people, make them release a broken piece of shit game, and just go, we'll fix it later. Like, I, I can't really justify paying $60 for any game at launch when half the time it's broken. Now, not every company is like this. Some companies have a, a fair amount of polish, and that's good. But these AAA studios... I'm getting real sick of their shit. It's it's like yeah, I agree. It's like ugh. it's just what it's becoming, man. It's really bad. These like devs need the devs need to be given more time to finish these gigantic projects. They're too big. The problem really is, at the end of the day, the fucking problem is that video games are too fucking big now. Yeah, have you have you seen that meme? They're unnecessarily large. That meme with Sonic the Hedgehog, and he's like, I want, uh. <laughs> less games with worse graphics and I'm not lying or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah, I won. Yeah, so yeah, it's like I want I, I, want, I want it's like I want more games with worse graphics. I think is what it is. And 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 I want people to be paid more to make less games with worse graphics and I am not kidding. I think is what it is. And Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes I, sense. Agree. It's true because sure tons of beautiful state-of-the-art fucking insane games came out this year cyberpunk will be one of them in like six months uh you had stuff like the last of us 2 
You had stuff like Ghost of Tsushima. But, you know, unless your game was Hades, your employees probably got drug into the dirt to make that game. And that's, like, unfortunate. Now, Ghost of Tsushima, thankfully, was actually finished when it came out. Yeah, well, so was Last of Us 2, but, like, obviously there was a lot of controversy about the crunch. Right. I didn't hear as many stories about Ghost of Tsushima, but I can only imagine. It, it happens. I mean, it takes, if it you take, find out about very it, that means it's that really bad. If you don't find out about it, that means it was still happening, but it wasn't the worst thing ever. It has right. to be really bad That's for it to leak thinking. out and an employee, like, takes their story to Kotaku or whatever. Well, because, yeah, because what's sad about it is crunch is the norm. Well, yeah. So, like, you're going to see that. Mm-hmm. So really, the, the, the end of the day is, like, make your games smaller, make your games look worse, pay your employees more, I'll buy more video games. Flat out. Right. I'm tired of it. I don't need it. I don't. It's not necessary to me. I'd rather have a game that works, that, like, feels great and plays great than it looking that good. It doesn't bother me as much. So, again. Uh-huh. Have you been playing anything recently? You got anything new for me? You're just well, posting through GTA Online. So. I mean, I'm still playing GTA Online. I'm trying to plat GTA Five. Um, for me, this is like <laughs> it's like the sunk cost fallacy at this point. Like, like I'm, yeah. I'm just like in 2016 or whatever. I did everything in GTA Five, the story mode. And then I realized that that isn't enough to get the plat. You need to do online stuff. And I started to play online. And I got bored of it back in 2016. And I started playing it again this year. Uh, My story mode saves are gone, but the online save data, thankfully, is on a server somewhere in the UK or wherever the fuck. Uh, So that's good. Um... And started again, and I figured I would have an alright time because I had missed so much GTA Online over the course of four years. So many updates, it probably is pretty cool. But I'm really not having that great of a time, and I'm kind of seeing why... I mean, I've already talked about this last week, so there's no need to, like, go over the the sorry-ass state of GTA Online and the horrible amount of trying to get your money your real-life money that that game does. But, you know, in in refusing to give them money, I I also have to be faced with the fact that they want you to grind and grind and grind to get your level up and to get money to get to do the fun stuff. Uh, For example, they recently came out with a new update. This new update is a heist that you can do solo that takes place on a new location, a island. Uh, you can't go to the island unless you and do the heist un- unless you buy a submarine, and the submarine costs two million two hundred thousand dollars. I have memorized that figure because I'm trying to get enough money to buy the submarine, uh, and I have not yet <laughs> because it's a lot. So. What am I doing in the meantime? 
I, you know, it's GTA. You get to do missions and kill people, and they're not, you know, in the in the online, they're not that fun. Unfortunately, it, it's genuinely not as good as playing the single player. None of the missions are as good. None of them. None of them are as fun. A lot of them are repetitive. And the most repetitive stuff is probably the stuff that makes you the most money, which is running your businesses. And I, they're so boring at this point to me because I've done them a bunch of times. I'm sick of taking trash cars to deliver weed. I'm sick of driving bikes into the back of trucks to deliver counterfeit cash. I'm sick of stealing crap from crates to bring back to the business so that I have supplies to make forged documents and so on and so forth. And it's all the same missions can repeat for all those different business types. It's not fun. The problem, though, is that the world and the general game is good, but what the missions themselves aren't. Uh, and that's kind of a problem because the, yeah. re- the reason Can't, GTA like, games work is that everything is firing on all cylinders. Gameplay good, fucking around in the world is good, but doing the missions is fun as well. This is like only one of those things. And it's unfortunate. Uh, I don't know. I, it's I I will plat the game. I'm like level 91 now, so I might as well get to level 100. And uh, hopefully this heist that I will try uh, will be fun. I'm not sure because I've seen a lot of people complain about it on the internet. <laughs> so um, that's all I've really been playing. I'm I'm looking forward to playing some new stuff in the new year because you know it, it crimbus i i will probably get, get more games even though i have plenty of games i haven't played yet but what are you gonna do <laughs> it always happens yeah um that's about it uh i i'm gonna ask you if you want to talk about one more thing before we talk about our movie okay. of the week uh but it comes with a question because we don't have to talk about it and because it deals with a Mandalorian spoiler do um, you care I personally would actually like to wait a little bit before talking about it okay if that's okay that's um, perfectly all right I will say this be- the Mandalorian is a good show and I recommend it if you like Star Wars if you saw stuff on the internet that makes you go, that looks terrible. It might be, but it doesn't ruin the overall experience of the show. That's what I would say. Yeah. Um, I'm going to personally watch it myself. I know what the spoiler is, but I do <laughs> then, want to watch the show myself. you know myself. what I'm referring to by right. that I do know what you're referring to. horrible. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing it for me as much as I'm doing it for other people. I know it doesn't like the same reason why I don't share spoilers about a video game that came out around the same time. It's like I want to give people time to like catch up. Yeah, if you you have a Twitter account, do things at the same time. You didn't get time, and that's unfortunate. I don't know what it is with Twitter. 
It's just like if you have an interest in something, you better mute any term you could think of when a new episode of it airs. It's it's kind of stupid. Yeah, but yeah, I'd like to save it for like maybe like a week or two. We'll come back and talk about it. That's fine. You think you're gonna watch it? Actually, I might. I'm gonna have, have a little bit more free time coming up here, so we'll see. I would love to talk about it with you if you want to watch it. I highly recommend it. Uh, uh, first, watch first the rest of Watchmen first. Oh yeah, watch Watchmen. That's a way better show. Watch Watchmen. Yeah, I have, I have like I have like a four or so episodes of that left. I think watch that. <laughs> okay, it's really good. It's really fucking good. So you got like four episodes in? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I finished episode four a couple nights ago. Okay, you haven't even got to the best episode, quite possibly in television history yet. Uh, That's exciting to hear because it's already fucking good. <laughs> There okay, so the Watchmen's good all the way through, but there's one episode that stands above the rest, and you'll know which one it is when you get to it. And even so, like even after that point, there's good episodes after it. But the one there's one episode, <laughs> and you'll know which one it is that is just so creative, and it it reminds me of how the comic would fuck around with like what it's like to read a comic, like. There's an issue of Watchmen that is symmetrical, which is the weirdest thing I've ever seen a comic book do. It, it's the shit. Uh, <laughs> like, the panels are symmetrical. Like, if you like pick up the pages and look at them that way, like the last and final page, and then the second and like the 29th page or whatever it would be. It, it's weird. It's super weird. Never seen anyone do that before. Just as such. Don't think I've ever seen anyone attempt anything like this in television before. It, it's right up there with like Ozymandias from Breaking Bad for me in is in terms of Hell episodes yeah. of television that are good. Watch Watchmen, please. I'm begging you. <laughs> I will. I will get there. I will get there soon. All right. It's time now to kickstart our journey through Miyazaki's directorial. <laughs> Functions. That's a really weird way to phrase that. I my brain is doesn't work because I'm full of alcohol. Right. But I said it, and we're gonna stick with it. <laughs> okay, buddy. So uh, I'm glad we chose to watch this movie. I think we discussed last week whether we should include it or not. Fuck off. We definitely were right to include it. <laughs> it's one right. of his films, and it was a fucking banger, if I do say so myself. I am film, super shocked that I haven't heard more about this movie, and that it is great. Uh, like, no one talks about this one in Miyazaki's... Because uh, people more talk about Studio Ghibli than Miyazaki. Well, this is before... He made Studio Ghibli, and uh, I, I think that's why it gets ignored a little bit. It is a little atypical for him in a couple areas, but I think it's still a great, great film and an influential piece of work. Like, it's great. Uh, obviously, we're talking about The Castle of Cagliostro which was released in 1979. That's fucking crazy. The animation 
in that movie for 1979 is stellar. For 1979, this is like the best animation I've seen. <laughs> like the fact that yeah. this was coming out in 79 blows my mind. Just everything is so intricate and well designed. Just every bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. this is the second film based on Lupin the Third, but we're talking about it. Because it's the first film directed by the legendary Hayao Miyazaki. So, um, I don't know. Where do we really start? Well, I wrote some brief stuff oh on Miyazaki himself, I guess. Yeah. Okay. That's a good place to start. Um, start with the director. So the I am who this not, is all about. I'm not giving you like a full biography of this man's early life because, in fact... It comes into play in his own fucking movies, and I guess we could just wait until we get to them when it's relevant to talk about. Yeah, that's why um, watching these as a set I think is so great. Yeah, it's because it kind of does go hand in hand. There's a lot of personal touch to these films. There definitely is. Um, now, for now, I'll just say that he was born in 1941. And he lived through multiple evacuations during World War II. And they left quite an impression on him. Uh, One other thing that is worthwhile to note as early as possible is Miyazaki's obsession with airplanes and flight. Uh, This is likely brought on because his father, Katsuji Miyazaki, was the director of Miyazaki Airplane which was a parts manufacturer that produced rudders for Japanese fighter planes used in World War II. Uh, so from an early age, like he's, he's, he's already baked in to be obsessed with aviation. Uh, and that is a constant in his films. It's, it's like a... Uh, what do, you, what do you call those? Like motif or whatever? Yeah. Every every single thing he's made has some kind of flying something in it. Whether it's an actual accurate World War II plane or a cat bus, uh, I, I, <laughs> it, there's something in it that flies. Yeah. Uh, so, and and that's that's the case in this one as well. So, his early career, Miyazaki graduated with degrees in political science and economics, which was kind of strange to note, that he didn't immediately go towards animation and manga. But he had aspirations to become a manga artist. Uh, I read about his struggles to develop a style. He really loved drawing uh, planes, who would have guessed and other military vehicles, but had difficulty developing what his faces would look like for a long time. Uh, it doesn't help that he was a bit of a perfectionist, and he would, like, intentionally, like, while he was inspired by other manga artists of the time, he would intentionally try to distance himself from, like, copying their style, because he wanted to specifically develop his own. Which I think eventually, of course, he did. And it becomes a lot more apparent in the Studio Ghibli films. 
But you can even see a bit of it here with the original characters in Castle of Cagliostro. Obviously, we're dealing with characters from Lupin the Third, but I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so he was eventually employed by Toei Animation in the early 60s, first as an assistant artist for a few of their animated features, and later as a chief animator and concept artist for a film called The Great Adventure of Horus, Prince of the Sun. Uh, this is the feature film debut of a director known as Isao Takahata. This was the first collaboration between Miyazaki and Takahata, and this is important because they would continue to be friends and eventually become business partners and form Studio Ghibli in 1985. Um, I don't know if you recognize the name, but Takahata has also directed several important anime films, such as Grave of the Fireflies. Uh, he's important, too. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but before all that, Miyazaki and Takahata left Toei and worked for A-Pro in 1971. And it was here that they would work on Lupin the Third, the first series, with uh, Miyazaki directing 23 episodes. So, Miyazaki is only half of the story here. we got to talk about Lupin the Third. Now, um... Have have you seen any Lupin besides this? Um, yes, I have. So it um, I will say like right away off of it that this is a little different than what uh, Lupin normally is. Actually, you are correct. At least from what I have looked up um, uh, recently about it, uh, this is the only Lupin thing that I've really dug deep into and watched all the way. I think I saw an episode on Adult Swim once. But that might be about the entire extent of my knowledge of Lupin before this. But uh, for those of you who aren't aware, Lupin the Third was a manga written by a man named Kazuhiku Kato, better known by his pen name Monkey Punch, which is a weird pen name. Uh... <laughs> But anyway, the series follows a descendant of Ardsane Lupin, which is a fictional character created in 1905 by the French writer Maurice Leblanc. Now, he was, uh, you know, Lupin was a thief and a master of disguise, and so is Lupin III. The idea was that this is that great thief's grandson. So, now, although there's a lot of influence from the original stories, I would say a lot of James Bond shit is brought in as well. Particularly with, like, the little gadgets that Lupin will use. And also just the general, like, globe-hopping vibe that that series can have. Uh, it, it takes place across lots of places, from what I've seen. Uh, now, the association with, with this French character has kind of often resulted in Lupin's name being changed to avoid copyright issues, which is the case for this movie. If you watched it on Netflix, you watched the Streamline Pictures dub, 
Uh, yeah. If you chose to watch the dub, I, I don't know what you chose to watch. Actually, I watched the dub. Okay, so I've I've seen the movie before. I've seen the stream lined up before. Um, I just watched it. It's a good quality dub. Like, there's nothing really it wrong is. with it. But because of this, you know, trying to avoid copyright issues thing, they don't refer to Lupin as Lupin. Call him Wolf. They call him Wolf, which is a little weird. Uh, I think they fuck up uh, the police inspector's name as well, uh, <laughs> and a couple other things. But uh, you know, I don't think it's anything to that that will ruin it necessarily. It's just you know little eccentricities. But like, what are you gonna do? <sighs> so the manga series proved to be incredibly popular, uh, and over the years, you know, Lupin's been going on since the seventies. There's been five anime series. There's been seven animated films, including Cagliostro, and two live-action films, even, as well as, you know, video games and spin-off manga about other characters and other members of the, you know, Lupin's gang or whatever. And uh, so this is the second Lupin film. But it's easily the most popular and most well-regarded of pretty much anything in the entire, like, Loop on the Third canon, I guess. Um, yeah. Which is kind of crazy. I, I think a lot of that is because people respect Miyazaki and people seek out stuff by Miyazaki. You know, there are people that like this movie that aren't fans of Loop on the Third. It is also, at least from everything that I've seen, which isn't everything. It is quite literally the best piece of Loop on the Third content that exists. This so. is kind of what I'm saying. So, it is insane how good this movie looks, especially considering it was produced in only five months. Yeah, that's From the crazy. start of when they started animating it to the end. It was rushed into production after the success of the first Loop on the Third film. And Miyazaki served not only as director on the project, but also as the writer, the designer, and the storyboard artist. He was pulling quadruple duty here, and it's kind of a miracle this movie exists at all. Uh, I know he had to compromise and remove some elements from the movie. There are interviews where he seems a little bitter and and want and wished it was better, but I still think it turns out incredible. I, I don't know what he would have added it does. to improve it. To be honest, like it's great. It's weird. Uh huh. Because I think that's that, that's that's the perfectionist part of Miyazaki coming out, though, right? Where like right. He wants that movie to be perfect. You know, it, it, it's not perfect. I think it's pretty but damn that's fine. good. Like it, you don't have to make it right. den out of den, especially as your first fucking feature. Are you kidding me? Uh, I can understand him looking back and going like, "Well, you know, wish I did this, 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 and this." But uh, you know, I think this is still a super worthwhile movie to watch, and I think it's far from his worst movie. Uh, I think I already like it better than a couple of the ones I've seen. I mean, we'll see once we start ranking these movies, but, like, this movie's fucking great, in my opinion. Uh, oh, it's wonderful. So, the story 
inspiration, uh, Miyazaki looks back to the original Arsene Lupin stories, which is interesting because I don't think Monkey Punch did that very often, which is kind of funny. Uh, so he looked back at a story called The Countess of Cagliostro, which, you know, indeed, the plot of both stories revolve around Lupin or Lupin the Third trying to rescue a young woman named Clarice Cagliostro. Uh, other Lupin stories involving counterfeit cash and a treasure hidden under a lake are referenced here as well. Those are all from classic Arsene Lupin stories, which is kind of neat. Uh, it shows that, you know, uh, <laughs> the kind of like wide realm of influence that Miyazaki could have, because, you know, as much as you think of like spy movies and jazz music when you're looking at something like this, he went back to stories from the early 1900s. Uh, so. Yeah, I guess we should talk about how much different the characters are. Uh, Miyazaki and Takahata, when they started making episodes of Lupin the uh, Third, they kind of changed the characters from how Monkey Punch wrote them as they saw fit for their stories. Uh, the characters as written by Monkey Punch are much darker. I'm, I'm no expert, yes. but this is what I have found while researching this. Uh, you know, with Lupin himself being a bit more amoral and more of a scheming bastard man. <laughs> like, uh, True, true. And in Cagliostro, Lupin is still very much a thief and a troll, but he's kind of also a more free-spirited, noble adventurer. Or at least that is his aspiration. Uh, your side characters, like uh, Jigen and uh, Goemon, are also, under Miyazaki's interpretation, a lot more nice and less sinister. And then you have Fujiko, who is uh, usually, uh, at least early on in the Lupin canon, sexualized explicitly. <laughs> Here... Much less so. Uh, and I think that was just Miyazaki's own personal uh, tastes. He He's never gratuitous with sexualization, ever, Miyazaki. Which is very interesting to note, because, you know, there's a clear thing that's going to come up eventually. That uh, Miyazaki, while he is the probably the greatest creator of any anime films ever, hates anime. <laughs> and he hates the tropes. And he hates otaku culture. And I don't blame him one bit. <laughs> yeah. I say this it's... as an owner of a large hardback edition of High School of the Dead, but I don't blame him one bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't... It, it it turns out just so much better and interesting. The problem with Lupin III, those versions of him, mm -hmm. is that, like, turns out incredibly one-dimensional because of the shit like that. Yeah, I could see that. And also, like, you know, you're not going to be as on board for, like, yeah, steal that shit if he's, like, an asshole. 
and an adulterer and like a terrible person. It's kind of like I like I like yeah. the interpretation of him in this movie, and I think overall, as you get further into the history of Lupin, I mean everybody's gonna have their own interpretation, but like Miyazaki had a big influence on how to handle these characters and how to make them more likable to an audience, and that was a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Now, although this is criticized by some fans of the original Lupin the Third, and even a little course, bit by Monkey different. Punch himself. Now, uh, it, uh, rest in peace, I suppose. He died in 2019. I say suppose because I don't know. This guy, I don't know how this this guy strikes me, really. <laughs> like, he, he, he seems like a bit of an a-hole himself. Uh... No disrespect, I suppose. But I'm going to go ahead and, and give you a quote here that I could not believe when I found it. Uh, so Monkey Punch said that he liked the film, that he liked Castle of Cagliostro, that he thought it was excellent. But he said, and I really have to emphasize that I am literally quoting him here <laughs> so that you don't think I said it. Quote, I wouldn't have had him rescue the girl. I would have had him rape her. End quote. <laughs> Jeez. Which is like, I mean, definitely the most yikes thing I read uh, this week. Probably. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's uh. I don't know, man. I I think that's that's not. You can have amoral characters. You can have even unlikable characters and still have a good product. Uh, I love Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and every character in that is an amoral, idiotic prick, and it's hilarious. But I think it really depends. If this movie ended <laughs> with Lupin just taking the princess for himself, that would be a horrific ending to an otherwise heartwarming adventure film. <laughs> I, I, I would be disgusted. Um, and I'm super glad that Monkey Punch didn't have a say in how this movie's plot went. Yeah, because shit like that could have happened. It's, it's, it's a big fucking yikes, my guy. That's a... That's a... That's a king size yikes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's a two for four dollar king size candy bar yikes. Yeah, that's like a four Reese package of yikes right there. Right. For sure. You know. Yeah, you have four individually wrapped yikeses. Yeah. Right. You don't yeah, you don't get the small two yikes Reese, you get the four yikes Reese. The yikes size. <laughs> So, anywho, um, I guess we should actually talk about the fucking movie. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like our format that we've been doing, where we don't just recount the plot. Yeah, same. So, I mean, can you tell us what it's generally about? It's a pretty basic plot. Yeah, your, your plot's pretty straightforward, where you have... Um, movie kicks off a loop on like go, going going get away with the robbery. Runs into this princess. Um, 
who's like passed out in a car is going to die. He saves her life, and then in thus gets enveloped into a plot based around this uh, this Cagliostro family and their castle in a fictional in a fictional uh, this, European nation of some sort. That I forget the right. name of. Like a sovereign, it's like a sovereign European nation. A small population, um, yeah. Right. And uh, Lupin gets wrapped up in the plot of this, trying to save this princess from being uh, married against her will to the Count of Cagliostro. Right. Now, we do get a revelation that Lupin has a past with this family, However, the main reason he's doing this is because he wants the adventure of rescuing the princess, rescuing the fair maiden. And like, like, you know, there's so many moments in this movie where it's like he's kind of like he's like acting out a role, you know? Yeah, basically. And, you know, like, I don't think at any point that he's like, you know... I, I guess this is like kind of a twist, I suppose. I, I he's not genuine about his love for the princess at any point. I, I think he just literally wants to he wants to rescue her because it's the right thing to do because she's she's in an arranged marriage to an evil man. But he also wants to rescue her because it, it's it's like the thing he's always wanted in his life, which is a big ass grand adventure. And that's it. Uh, there's no, yep. like, you know, he doesn't walk away with any grand treasure, even though he's like a thief. But I don't, I don't, I don't get the sense that this man is about the money anyway. Even though, e- even disregarding the opening scene, <laughs> I suppose. But um, I-, I love this characterization of Lupin in this movie, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's great. He's much more interesting and dynamic, and you don't know, because of, like, the way he is and, like, how unclear his real motivations are, it's so, like, unpredictable and fun. Yeah, it makes the moments where he gets the upper hand really fun, because you don't necessarily know what he's going to do next at any point in this movie. Yeah, it's super fun. Because a lot of the fun with Lupin no, that's is... that's the thing about this movie. Yeah. He, he, he always has... He's always thinking one step ahead of you, and he does some crazy, contrived bullshit <laughs> to get himself out of a situation. Um, yeah, it's great. What do you think about the other characters in this movie? Um, the side characters, for the most part, are all great. Um, I think Lupin's got a great cast if they're handled well. Uh, you got like his yeah. like uh, what is it, Jigen, who's like a fucking gangster yeah. man with big guns, and he's like a bit more mm-hmm. immoral than Lupin. But like in this, he's a bit like he's not an asshole. He he's just like you know kind of like he's he's in it for the money more than Lupin, but he's you know. He does help him try to rescue the princess. Like, he does the right thing. And uh, I liked his characterization. There's that, that moment early on where, like, Lupin's not telling him what's going on, and he, like, attacks him. <laughs> it's, it's really fun. Um, and then you got, like, the samurai, uh, Goemon, who's, like, fucking 
badass. And I've seen other footage of him throughout other Lupin things. And it seems like he's the most improbable, unrealistic character in the entire thing, which is saying something. Uh, yeah. You don't see a lot of it in this movie. You see some of it. Like He does definitely cut some dudes and like not have a problem. Uh, <laughs> but he kind of has like Fist of the North Star energy where he's like, you know, Umewa Moishi Daru guys left and right and like, <laughs> like with no effort. Uh, there's a clip from some Lupin movie where he like a, a literal helicopter with this fucking the blades pointed towards him is coming towards him and he just goes like shing and like cuts all the blades off the helicopter and it falls over and explodes. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Spend your disbelief for that one. Yeah. And then the Fujiko's fucking cool as shit. Um, I love that. She's just throwing grenades left and right. <laughs> she's like a little bit more like, uh, assassin and like military minded i guess uh yes so i haven't watched like other loop on is she part of the gang usually because here it seems like she's kind of like a rival thief that kind of shows up like they run into each other a lot because of that yeah it's like back and forth they like used to be in love it's like their whole thing okay so like he's kind of like batman she's kind of like catwoman Kind of, kind of dealio, right? Where like often mm-hmm. they're very similar, opposing, but sometimes they team up, and maybe they had a thing, but maybe they don't anymore. Maybe they will again. Blah right. blah blah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, very similar. Very, 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 very similar to that. And uh, who else? I love the inspector actually a lot. He was fun. He's a lot of fun because like. Especially his pro- his progression in the film is great um, because once uh, yeah. once he dis- once he discovers that there's a, a gigantic counterfeit money plot that has that is the reason this castle like retains all of its power, his his focus very quickly shifts from catching a thief to literally stopping a like a global power who is faking it. Yeah, and, and that is uh, fun. It's cool to see him and the thief he's trying to catch work together. Uh, I don't know how often that happens in Lupin the third, but I'm going to guess not that often. Not. Uh, yeah. So maybe that moment's a little more special. If you have more familiarity with Lupin to see like this thing that doesn't happen very often happening. But I mean, for what it's worth, what they did together is one of my favorite parts of the whole fucking thing. It's, it's fucking great. Uh, they're like a, they're like a comedy duo. You know, the straight man and the asshole, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. it it's, it's absolutely wonderful. They're, uh, they have a great dichotomy is what makes uh, them going head to head like that so much fun. But then, yeah, then you get to put their heads together. And at that point, they're almost unstoppable. Yeah. I, I kind of had a, I, I guess, an incorrect assumption that... Lupin always gets away and the detective is a bumbling idiot. And I don't know why I had that assumption. I don't know if there was episodes of Lupin that made me think that. But at least in this, they're more like equals. And yes. like he never catches him. 
because the story has to continue. There has to be an episode of Lupin next week, too. So he never catches Lupin, but, like, maybe he almost does. You know, it's not... It's less Roadrunner Coyote and more, like, you know, even, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is nice. I, I like that they have respect for the the foil, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it's once again just just adding on stuff that makes it interesting, you know. Right. Now I there's a lot going on. I in this movie there just, is holy like, oh, boy. I will say the characters that aren't Lupin characters aren't the best. Uh, but it is early in Miyazaki's career. They're serviceable. Uh, the princess herself has very little personality, and kind of just feels like you know. It's it's like as emotionless as like a princess peach or something like she is the goal, but she isn't like a character, unfortunately, and that kind of sucks. But oh well. <laughs> and then the bad guy, the Count of Cagliostro. Uh, while he he's wearing some fucking prime evil fits in this movie, uh, he's kind of a boring bad guy at the end of the day, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, he's he is literally the least interesting part of the film. Um, he is he's the very very typical bad guy who just uh, basically just has powers disposal. He uses that to almost crush Lupin a few times. Um, but just the sheer amount of it that he has. But he's just like a general piece of shit. He's evil, man, and that is his character, and that is it. Like, yeah. there's nothing else going on whatsoever. And, you know, that's not really a problem, necessarily. Like, you know, I, I kind of like would, would say it's something like a Guardians of the Galaxy villain problem, where, like... It doesn't even matter who the villain is for that movie or for this movie. It matters more like the cast of characters going against the villain. Yeah. And this one has a really good one. So it all works. Um, I don't know. Let's try and think of some, some good moments or anything dumb to, I suppose. I like kind of doing that. Now, with The Hobbit, it was way easier to think of something dumb and something good. This, I think I'm going to think of way, like, probably no dumb things. No, I, I can't really think of too much. Um, well, then give me, uh, my give me, give me f- some, like, positives and, like, great scenes for, from your memory here. My favorite part of the entire movie, okay? Uh-huh. Is uh, God, I forget her name. Um, the 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 other thief girl that's with Luke. Oh well, the Fujiko, yeah. Fujiko, yeah. My favorite scene of the whole film is when she's acting as the news reporter <laughs> at the wedding. So why is she doing that? <laughs> you know, I kind of like it too. I don't know. It's so weird that she's all but of a so sudden great. doing that. It's so great. Yeah, it's fun. 
It, it, well, the, the, one of her things is like she's like a master of disguise type. Sure. Well, I mean, guess so, I guess so is Lupin. He he disguises himself as multiple people throughout this movie, and that was one of. You saw her at the beginning of the movie. She was disguised as somebody else. Like she's like she, the maid. She disguises yeah. a lot. Yeah. Right. But like her like commenting on the whole thing going down. And then, like, the one guard tries to come up at her. She just, like, nonchalantly shoots him while still reporting. No, she's... Like, yeah. Shit like that. It's so good. She's so fucking based. <laughs> she's, like... Yeah. A great, badass character. And I'm glad that, you know, she's not just there for eye candy. She says stuff, and she's cool. You know, it's a bit... You know, I guess you could say it's a bit generic for a female action hero lady. The, the hot femme fatale. But, I mean, this has got to be one of the earlier examples anyway. Like, I'm not going to hold yeah. it against it for when it's for 1979, you know? <laughs> Just a lot of cool shit, though. Like, it's, it's the fact that she's able to, like, you know, do something completely different, like, change, change up what she's doing. Basically, just... It seems like... She was kind of like working in cahoots with the uh, detective. Yeah. To reveal that plot. Mm-hmm. And and reveal that they did, and then you get the you get the cut to fucking to their to the <laughs> right. precinct office. Like, oh, we can't cover this one yeah. up. Like they're in on it's it. It's so funny. Yeah, I this although you have the noble inspector character, uh, I get the sense that. Uh, this movie and maybe even the series is very critical of law enforcement and government. <laughs> it is, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because Lupin has to outsmart them and make them look like the idiots that they are frequently in order to pull off his heists. So I like that there's a lot of fun played with that. But um, our inspector character is as much a victim of that himself because when he uncovers the counterfeit money plot uh nobody wants to go along with it because they're all on the fucking take from evil cagliostro man his world influence is that big i suppose yeah entire idea is that like he like can own it he has power over everything because he has so much of every single country's currency right that's all fake it's really, really fascinating. What about you? What's your like favorite like little section of the movie? I really like the design of those ninja guards that show up with the weird spiky yeah. hands, and they kind of just shuffle out from the shadows and are creepy. That that scene where they're coming at the door and like Lupin and uh, Jagan just nonchalantly pick up the fucking mace. And sword from the wall of the hotel they're staying at or whatever is fucking fantastic. The action scenes in this movie all around are fucking incredible, but I think you don't ever top that car scene from the beginning, although the clock tower stuff is really good, too, at the end of the movie. But that that car chase yeah. is fucking phenomenal and phenomenally well animated. Like, I could not believe... When uh, the princess's red car collides with that wall and how it, like, explodes looks incredibly realistic. 
like a real car crash. The parts that come off of it are so specific and like the shot of like, you know, you can see the engine like super briefly and like someone had to design and draw that engine and make it accurate. And it's in the movie for like 10 frames. And that's fucking insane to me. Like the level of detail and things like that are, are great to me. Uh, yeah, I think it helps sell like yeah, it helps sell everything in the movie. Like everything is so fluid and like right runs so well together in an era of like Japanese animation where it was not that great yet. Yeah, it's it's truly an it incredible is. piece of work with some great action scenes that that clearly get ripped off by multiple things throughout the years. Oh yeah, um, easily. I, I I will note one that I noticed. The clock tower fight, which is an incredibly unique location for a fight. They're jumping on the gears, and uh, the fucking Count himself gets killed by the hands of the clock as they close together, which is, is a great moment. But um, just all that is so creative, and I remember there's an episode of... Batman the Animated Series featuring everyone's uh, favorite Batman villain the Clock King where uh, (laughs) Batman fights the Clock King Uh, basically in the same setting inside a clock tower on the gears and stuff the clock hands are there and you know there's a little bit of Buster Keaton in there too you know, where he's, like, getting crunched by the gears and stuff in those those old 20s films. But for the most part, I'm just... I, I now understand that, like, oh, they saw Castle of Cagliostro, and, like, wouldn't it be cool if we just did this clock tower scene in Batman? And they are correct. However, that does mean they just took the clock tower scene <laughs> and put it in something that probably more people have seen than Castle of Cagliostro, at least at the time. And that never really sits right with me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, the, the the legacy of this movie is interesting because this is a big adventure film and it comes out in 1979 and it kind of reminds me of an Indiana Jones film. However, I would be wrong to say that because Raiders came out after. Which makes me go, hmm. Now, I have seen some people go further than hmm. I have seen some people suggest that Steven Spielberg saw Castle of Cagliostro and was like, I want to make that. I want to make action scenes like that. And I think that's an impossibility because that would mean that Steven Spielberg would have had to go to fucking Japan and watch this movie in 1979, a movie that didn't do particularly well, actually, and did not come to America until the early 90s, possibly as a result of dubs being released for Miyazaki's other films and being popular and also Lupin starting to be popular. Cause I think it was like on like, I don't know, maybe 
It was on late was, night Cartoon Network and stuff like that. You know, it was on late night tsunami. Yeah, it was right. I've watched plenty of the one third episodes through that. So yeah, I, I don't I don't really buy the accusation. I, I mean I, that you know Spielberg was influenced by this. I think it's just they were both inspired by James Bond and adventure serials as a whole, yeah. and right. separately made their things. However, all of it combined influences shit down the line. Uh, you know, this, you know, I don't think you get Tintin with just Indiana Jones existing, if that makes any sense, mm-hmm. for example. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah, it's funny because, like, this film is, like, really widely regarded. A lot of people is like super influential to them, like people who make like action adventure movies like these. Well, and, and not even that. Uh, I think one of the most direct and provable influence that this film had is on a little company called Pixar, because John Lasseter says this is like his favorite film, and he took good choice. You know the storytelling and the you know incredibleness of the animation, and just immediately and just you know passed it down the line to his work at Pixar and you get, you know, some of the biggest franchises of all time and some of the greatest, I would just say movies, not even animated movies of all time with Pixar. Yeah. Uh, and then Disney animation too, as a whole, you know, throughout the, the nineties, Disney Renaissance period, if you will, where they just had hit after hit. And then I I guess Pocahontas happened, but mostly hit after hit, (laughs) mostly hit after hit, uh, you know, it's, it can kind of be traced back to this, which is kind of interesting. It's kind of like how like stuff cycles throughout history with animation is interesting to me. You know, you have Disney cartoons with the big eyes, the big round wide eyes. And then you have the Astro boy guy is like, I want to do that, but I draw human characters, and then, oops, we created anime characters. And then that continues and eventually goes all the way back around to influencing Disney itself, the company that, like, influenced the creation of anime itself. It's fucking crazy to me. <laughs> it's just, it's like time yeah. is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it it really is like that. It's so fun, it's so fascinating. I think dipping through the history of animation is great, which is like, on this is also like why I'm going to love this retrospective so much, is because a lot of like the way Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli develops kind of goes hand in hand with that. Yeah, with the you can kind of see the history of the medium itself kind of throughout these movies. Because every single time, like, when, when one of Miyazaki's films came out at the time, they were the pillars of animation. Right. And so, like, it's really cool to see, like, you know, we're going to see how that progresses as we move on here, especially, like, starting next week. Um, we talk about Nausicaa. Right. I, I have seen how, Nausicaa. Like, I'm excited to revisit it, though. I don't remember a whole lot about it. In comparison to it's the great. other Miyazaki movies I've seen, it left less of an impression. 
it is my least favorite Miyazaki <laughs> film, but it's still a great movie. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Like, the man doesn't miss. No. <laughs> like, you know... Oh, no, he has, like, one movie that's an eight <laughs> and not a ten. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, back to the movie at hand. Uh, trying to think of anything else that... Okay, the the scene where he, where, where Lupin uh, <laughs> gets to the princess's room is great, mm-hmm. but <laughs> it kind of made me think that, like, like, I thought Lupin had a plan to get to that room. And I guess he did, but his plan failed. And then he ended up just, like, making the biggest jump of all time. Twice. And and the sound, yeah, effect, all that they, momentum the sound effect they play is fucking fantastic, by the way. It sells it. It sells it really well. <laughs> it just... It struck me as so funny that, like... You know, and I just love the intricacies of, like, having him, like, you know... Like, like a little moment that sticks out in my head that wouldn't happen in like anything else is him climbing up that steep side of the castle. And then he falls all the way back down and has to do it again. And they show you the whole thing in one shot. And I could see an exec going, cut that scene because it takes too long. Just have him do it right the first time. But that, isn't as much of a memorable moment to me him fucking up is great (laughs) it adds so much character to the whole thing yeah it does and there's lots of little moments like that him like falling through the waterfall and trying to swim up the waterfall and it it doesn't work for shit Yeah. yeah uh so, like him getting sent down the trap door and he's sitting there with the spikes still confident and then the water comes washing down. Yeah. Uh, he's lucky he didn't die there. He hit he hit the uh, the uh, Resident Evil 4 quick time event and didn't die he did, when he, he fell did. down the pit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we... The movie's excellent. It is. I loved it and I recommend it to everybody. Um, if, you've, if you like Indiana Jones movies... If you like James Bond movies, uh, if, if I mean, if you just like any kind of fun action adventure, th- this is one of the best. Easily, like it has so much character and class to its animation. Yeah, I actually decided to wait to watch it until earlier today. You know, I've already seen it before. I know about this movie. Right. But I actually waited to watch it today so I could watch it with my mother, who was visiting me for Christmas. Yeah. And she loved it. It was great. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And, uh, it's just a fun movie. I think it, it's so good because sometimes when you make a movie that takes place in a franchise you can kind of fuck up and have it reference itself a little too much. And, you know, I I think the thing I see in in forums and stuff when people talk about, you know, like, do I have to watch other Lupin things before I need to watch this movie? And the answer is no, because it does such a good job of establishing its characters and what they're about within the movie itself. Like, 
you could be convinced that Lupin the Third outside of this movie doesn't exist. This could be an original creation in and of itself and still work. And that's kind right. of why it does work as well as it does. Now, that being said, this has kind of piqued my interest a little bit. And I think I'm going to peruse Lupin the Third because it seems Go look at like an episode guide or something. I think I'll at least look up the good ones that Miyazaki directed because I trust him to make There's a good really Lupin good the ones. Third. Um, but, you know, I'm interested. It's, Lupin has five animes, and I'm sure not all of them are good. <laughs> but uh, so The Miyazaki run's really good. Yeah, that's the original first anime and and there's a new film that just came out i don't know if it has a english dub yet or anything but it is cg animated and it actually looks quite fucking cool it the animation looks fantastic and i'm curious to i might just watch that because it seems like the cool thing about lupon is like although there is probably like 400 episodes of anime or some crazy amount like you could just pick an episode yeah i don't think it seems to matter I don't think it's well, telling it, a continuous the nice thing story. About it is, it's just it's it's heist of the week, you know. Yeah, it's so straightforward. The characters and their motivations are really straight, straightforward. Where Lupin gets fun is like what they get to do with like the setting, and like the different things that Lupin has to deal with. Right, it's a concept that you can just basically do anything with, any given week. It's a serial, just fun. Yeah. So, we we watched the streamline dub. There is another dub. This is a dub made by Manga Entertainment in 2000. I don't know if there was like a controversy or something where like people said the dub we watched was bad, but I think the dub we watched was good. I don't think anybody had like a terrible performance, except maybe that old gardener man. Who who just yeah. sounds like a guy going like hey how you doing kid and that's like it like I that that's basically I did that performance <laughs> like, the the old like gardener man but other than that everybody is does a good job so and and that's more than you can ask for for an anime dub from ninety one for fucking sure today dubs are a lot oh, more yeah. higher class than they were in ninety one. Like, God, when did the Akira dub come out? The notoriously bad um, Akira dub? Fuck, I forget. I mean, I, I assume it had to be 90s, because this stuff it wasn't doesn't the 90s. become extremely popular until then anyway. When people start, you know, kids start actually watching anime, and they start showing Miyazaki films on, like, HBO and stuff. An Adult Swim. Or Toonami or whatever. But anyway. Uh, an easy way to, te- way to tell what dub you're watching. Oh, was the, that, dub was, uh, that dub was 88, by the way. Okay, a little bit before this one. So th- the precedent was right. set that they would be bad. But it was good. Uh, <laughs> an right. easy way to tell what dub you're watching is, is Lupin referred to as Wolf. That's the streamlined dub. The manga entertainment dub uh, attempts to be more accurate to the source material's script, and as such, calls Lupin Lupin, which makes sense. Um, however, 
I've seen some criticism of it in like terms of performance and in terms of uh, they let like I think some of the characters swear and, and stuff, and it's like this feels like a PG for all intents and purposes. It doesn't need to be PG thirteen. Um, There's only a tiny bit of blood in the movie. I, yeah, he gets shot, but like whatever, it's fine. Uh, yeah, nothing that eating a bunch of food won't fix. Apparently, I, <laughs> that is yeah, kind of stupid. Trying to, trying to fucking hurl it up, stopping himself. It's just like I got to get my strength back up after getting shot through the fucking chest. I'll just eat a fucking whole rotisserie chicken and I'll be fine. Sounds like video game logic. Castlevania type yeah, beat, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, so while this here's a wall chicken, right? While the streamlined dub is quite good, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get to hear David Hater voice Lupin like he does in the other dub. However, holy shit, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so I I kind of like would like to hear what that sounds like. I don't know if he actually just does the solid snake voice. <laughs> I doubt it. I don't think that fits Lupin, but uh, it'd be funny. Castle of Cagliostro. He has to just say like everything in a question the whole movie. Uh, in the streamlined dub, uh, the one we watched, he's voiced by an actor named Bob Bergen, who is most famous as the voice of Porky Pig since the 1990s. Uh, Space Jam and Forward, he's been the voice of Porky Pig. <laughs> Which, I can see it. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. But he does a good job in this. Now, oh, you know, I'll save that for the last thing we talk about because it's funny and has nothing to do anything with it. Uh, I think we should talk about the score too. Like that score is fucking incredible. It's so fun and jazzy. Oh yeah, it's great. Uh, it reminds me of like some cowboy bebop music and shit, but a little more like energetic and upbeat. Uh, it's done by Japanese jazz musician Yuki Ono, who also worked on the Lupin animes, particularly Part 2, which has like the most iconic Lupin music that even I have heard, uh, like the theme. Like, when the gang shows up, and it literally just goes like, Lupin the Third! Like, <laughs> like that's that guy's music. Um, now, the movie wasn't exactly successful on its initial release. It grossed 600 million yen... <laughs> against a budget of 500 million yen. Uh, now, but it's widely regarded as a classic, greatly influential film that jump-started a long, prolific career for Miyazaki and brought the loop on the third franchise to a more mainstream fame. Uh, it has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm interested to see, because Miyazaki movies get well-reviewed, if any Miyazaki film dips below 80, I'm going to predict not. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to say no. There's no way. I don't want to say dips below 90, because no, I think I, something I, There will. would be some that are in the 80s. Yeah. but Nausicaa, I think, will probably be in the 80s, if I remember correctly. I'm going to go ahead and guess nothing dips below 80. Watch us be immediately wrong next agree. week, and Nausicaa is like a seventy-nine. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't know for sure. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look into it either. We'll find out though. Yeah, for sure. So we'll obviously, see. it goes to the top of the list for now. There's, it's not fighting against anything. But um, I would doubt that Castle of Cagliostro would be ranked lowest. 
because although it's very different from a lot of Miyazaki movies, this movie's just really fun, man. Like, it's going to be hard to beat early on. Like, I think you're going to have to get a couple movies in for me to safely say that something is better than Castle of Cagliostro. We shall see. So, the the last uh, thing I want to leave you with, Justin, is Uh basically a non-sequitur. But it is about... It is about everything that we're talking about. It's just really stupid. So, (laughs) there is a third dub. And a a third American release. Sort of. Uh, It came out even earlier than the streamlined dub. And before the film was released... In America, in theaters or on DVD. Uh, that's because it's a video game called Cliffhanger. Uh, it is a laser disc arcade game. It's kind of got gameplay like a Dragon's Lair or something like that, uh, where you have to kind of like you know, it, it's it's just footage from Castle of Cagliostro and and a bit from the first okay. loop on the third movie, but like you have to like hit a button to jump over stuff yeah. or like hit left to dodge or right to dodge or something like that. Uh, it uses footage okay. just straight up from these movies, and it combines those films into a plot that loosely <laughs> follows the plot of of Castle of Cagliostro. However. Uh, Lupin isn't named Lupin. Uh, he's not even named Wolf. He is named Cliff <laughs> because the game's called Oh my God Hanger. Uh, and the supporting characters include not Jigen or Goemon, but Jeff and Samurai. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Of particular note. Oh my god. Now, Jeff. you can look up gameplay on YouTube. And the so the footage from the first Lupin movie sounds a little better because it uses the official Toei dub. But Cagliostro didn't have a dub for them to use, so they did their own stuff. And it sucks shit it is incredible uh like the part like you know you have to like jump uh over those bars like at at the very beginning of the movie when they're running away with the sacks full of cash and 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 they play that like big jump noise as he jumps over stuff uh dubbed over that is a guy going jump jump because you have to hit the jump button and it's it's telling you to jump Uh, it's atrocious now the most atrocious thing however is uh, there is a grisly death scene (laughs) that plays when the player fails uh, which literally shows Lupin I mean Wolf I mean Cliff uh, (laughs) getting hanged at the gallows why? Uh, What's the point? This scene had an option to be turned off, which I assume many arcades did. But um, 
Yeah, it's like it splices together footage from the first Lupin movie, but out of context. I'm assuming it's like a fake out death moment for it, like like when he explodes <laughs> in, in Cagliostro towards the end at the wedding. Like they stab him with a million swords, but then it's just like a scarecrow or something. Uh, I assume it's like a fake out death where like they're going to hang Lupin and then it's like, hey, that's a dummy or something like that, you know? Uh, but they make it seem as if Lupin actually gets hung at the gallows. Like, you fucked up, game over. And I'm just like, holy fuck. <laughs> Imagine going to an arcade as a, as a young child and failing in the game, and then your character fucking dies, and you see it. <laughs> You see God him. Damn. You see him get executed by the state. <laughs> like Jesus fucking Christ. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like no wonder they had an option Listen. to turn it off. I mean, if any arcade didn't know about that, though, like, oops, your child witnessed a hanging. Oops. <laughs> Most important part here, though, it's Jeff. <laughs> I think samurai is also funny because, like, he is a samurai. It's so literal. But, like, it's just, just so literal. Just naming him samurai is it's 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 like fucking like what what Smash character do you play as? Hero. Like, okay, <laughs> y'all couldn't come up with better than hero. Come on, Dragon Quest. What are you doing? But anyway, I don't know. I think that's about it. Right? Yeah, I think that'll do it for movie us. Movie yeah. good. Movie like a 9 out of 10 easy. Yeah, go watch it. It's, it's on great. Netflix. You can do it right now. Unless they take it off, which they shouldn't. They better not. It's a good one. Yeah, will be dumb. Don't do that. Well, Netflix likes to remove stuff all the time because they're assholes. True. Yeah. But uh, have, have a merry crim. Yep. I'm Mary Krimkram. We'll be back next week with Nausicaa, the Valley of the Wind. Bugs. Right? Bug Snacks. Oh. That's Bug Snacks, the movie. Oh, my God. All right. To close out the show, we're going to hit the random meme button I got for Christmas. We're going to find out what it says. Ready? And then the show's just going to be over. So I'm excited to hear it. Go ahead. Right. Oh, I didn't hear anything. Okay, I'll do it again just for you. <laughs> there you go. Yakuza. Go play Yakuza. Have a Merry uh, Christmas. Everyone. Happy Halloween, everybody.